The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Uh, Psalm chapter 76 this morning. Psalm chapter 76 as we're in the Word of God together. And uh, we're going to look at a unique passage. We're not unique, very typical actually to this book of Psalms where the entire passage is written as a worship, as a song. Much of the Psalms is written, and you know, David was a, was a um, musician, Asaph as well. And so much of this is written to be, to be played. And, and many musicians today have taken it and turned it into different hymns and things of that nature. And, and so we see it. It could be uh, quoted as a poem, could be quoted as a hymn, but and I tell you, or sung as a hymn, but let me tell you, a lot of, like much of the music we have today, uh, when you listen to it, there's a lot behind what's going on. I think of one of the old hymns of the faith uh, that's written called What a Friend We Have in Jesus. I don't remember the exact name of the author, but shortly before he wrote it, the reason he wrote it was he was having a great time spending time with his, I believe it was fiance, when in a freak accident, uh, horseback riding, she died. And instead of penning, instead of getting angry and bitter and all this, he, what he found was, instead of saying, God, how dare you allow this to happen, what he found was in the midst of the hardest time of his life, God was still a friend. And it's, it's one of those things we see in these passages that the psalmists are writing worship songs, they're writing praise to Jesus, but based off of experience. And so when they sing the hymn, it's, it's a great reminder to the next couple of generations. This is more than this. This is the history of what happened. So in this hymn, in this song or psalm, chapter 76, we're going to look at three aspects of praise. And let me encourage you, anytime we think about worship, today it's one of those things where cultures and different types of churches and all this, so you have to worship this way, have to worship this way. I'm not going to debate any other perspective or even say we're right or wrong. What I want to do is I want to evaluate Scripture. And so let's evaluate Scripture, and what you're going to see is very little about style, almost nothing about style and all about content. Can I tell you, worship is really more about content than it is anything else. We can do everything the way we are comfortable with and it could be wrong. It's content, it's my heart that we really, that it, that it makes worship, worship. The rest of it's just a service. It's my heart that makes it worship. So let's evaluate this passage, see what we can learn, Psalm 76. The Bible says, in Judah is God known, his name is great in Israel. In Salem, or a place of peace, also is his tabernacle, and his dwelling place is Zion. So he starts off, they just talk about the greatness of God. So in worship, the first thing is his person. They talk about his person and who he is. He's known in Israel. And when they say he's known in Israel, hey, we recognize him. We know him. We love him. We worship him. We have chosen him to be our God. We're going to follow him. And so that's part of the worship. We will choose him to be that. Um, we think about songs like Great Is Thy Faithfulness. We think about that the history of faithfulness, not just throughout America, through our church, but in our own personal lives. I think of the song we sing here, Behold our God, seated on the throne, come let us adore him. It's a, it's a great reminder of his person, his place as he is on the throne. And one day, we, we, like we see in Revelation, we will come before his throne and we will kneel and we will be able to raise our hand in the presence of God and presence of Jesus and worship him. So this is the idea. We understand his person. Please understand that uh, too many people today want to view God or the word God, very generically. They want to say, well, we all worship God, or we all worship the same God, or all worship the same thing. Be very careful with that, because we don't. Please remember that the word God is an English term. Uh, when we look back to the word of God, so many of the words, I think of Jehovah, Adonai, Elohim, these are translated God. 
It's just the way they are in generic. And that's the problem is you can even go back to other religions like Islamic and they talk about Allah. It's translated God. Uh, you have to go back and look more detail into it. And the person, this is not just a generic being somewhere that everybody believes the same thing. This is God Almighty. And yes, he is different than all the other religions because he's the only, one and only true God. There are not many, many gods. There's one God. There's a lot of false gods, but there's one God. And that is God. And then there's one mediator between God and man, Jesus, the man Christ Jesus. And that's what we distinguish. We're looking at this. And they worship him because he is. Now, please remember, the Old Testament is replete with the time the Jewish people would worship Baal and worship other Astroth and other gods because it was the popular thing in their area to do it. And they often found themselves in punishment and often found themselves in judgment because of that reason, because they chose to leave worshiping Jehovah God and move over to the culturally acceptable. Nobody liked Jehovah God in the area. Let's worship the other gods. Just like today. Why? Because it's not real. So I feel religious and I feel good, but I'm still in control. With God, it's not. He's in control and I must worship and I must submit to that. And, and in the world, our culture doesn't like that today. So we see we worship him because of his person, but we also worship him because of his power. He says in verse 3, There break he the arrows of the bow, the shields and the sword, and the battle, Selah. He breaks all of the weaponry of warfare. Verse 4, Thou art more glorious and excellent than the mountains of prey, than all the people who come our way. When you say glorious and excellent, it seems awesome. It seems frightening to think about all those things coming against us. And he says, You are more excellent than even those coming against us. Verse 5, The, um, the south... Uh, Stout-hearted are spoiled. They have slept their sleep, and none of the men of might have found their hands. That six, at thy rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and the horse are cast into a dead sleep. Notice that he says the chariot and the horse, all the weapons and all the great aspects of war are gone. But in verse 6, he says it's just done by his words. God can come and he can do powerful things. He can take care of the enemy. He can take care of your circumstances. He can take care of your enemy, Satan. He can take care of all of these things, but it's not like he has to come with an army. It's not like he has to come with all of these great tools. He just speaks. You know, you think about when you look ahead to the day when Jesus will come back. He will come back on the white horse and he will come back and defeat the armies of Satan at the Battle of Armageddon. You know what he is going to use to defeat his enemy? Finally, and that's going to be his words. He's going to come, and with his words, he, his words, he is physically going to destroy and kill his enemy. That's all he needs. And so we look at the power of that, and we think about how many things in the Bible are his word, what is all his word, but the promises he gives, and the proclamation, and through his name, and through his word, we can trust. These are the things. We worship him because these are the things that we hold. His word. He says, "In Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's his word. It's his promise. You know, my father, which is greater than me in John 10, is, is, great, is given unto me. No man shall pluck them out of my father's hand. That is his word. That is his promise. He says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. These are his word. These are his promises. That's what we hold on to, and it's powerful because it is his word. We live in a day where we really just can't. It's hard to trust the words of people. I'm not just talking politicians. I'm just talking in general. We, we live in a day when people do everything they can to use their words to deceive others, to sell things, to, to whatever it would be. And it's easy for us to become frustrated. And then maybe you live in a scenario where a parent or a loved one or a spouse has lied and, and has used their word to, to, to do things they shouldn't. And therefore, you struggle. You struggle trusting anybody, understandably. Here is the key. 
we cannot, we don't have to base God and his integrity off the people on this earth. They're sinners. He's not. And so we have a guarantee and a confidence in his word. Uh, let's continue down here. Um, he continues to say, verse 9, when God, when God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth, he said, I say verse 8, thou didst cause judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still when God arose to judgment to save all the meek of the earth. His power and ultimately he will bring all the meek, those who have called upon him. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. The remainder of wrath shall thou restrain. He said, ultimately, even the worst of men will come and praise you. You know, one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. We know that to be true. But he so we worship him in his person, his power. But we do it with also our promises, our petitions. And he comes in the last two verses and he gives a responsibility to his children. Vow and pay unto the Lord your God. Let all that be round about him bring a presence unto him that ought be feared. He shall cut off the spirit of princes. He is terrible to the kings of the earth. He has said, listen, we have a responsibility. We must be praising him. But we must also give promises and fulfill that. And we talk about making decisions for Christ or making commitments. Can I encourage you that? It comes down about just saying, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to obey God. And this is what the Bible says. I'm going to do it. Because he is God. He is powerful. He is to be feared. When I say feared, not that I'm waiting for him for me to mess up once so he can strike me down. But do you really want to stand before Almighty God having done nothing for him, having done minimal, having gone to heaven knowing you've hidden this sin most of your life and then it's going to be exposed before Almighty God? Just, just come to him and get these things right. Come to him and get right with God and walk with God and have a sweet spirit with God. Come and, and let this same worship be true in your life. But worship can't be true until we're right with God. Worship can't be true unless you're saved. Worship can't be true unless your heart is in in favor with him what i mean by that is you're right with god you're walking with god you're worshiping him i hope you're doing that today because there's something amazing about just sweet communion with almighty god with jesus something amazing about living in his power living in his grace living in the gospel living in all of the things that he wants to bring into your life satan wants you to convince it's horrible and you're missing out it is just the opposite it is the great pace of hope and peace and that's in Jesus. And may you, if you're not in him today, may you be there. May you call upon him. May you get right with him. May we have that sweet communion with Jesus so we can enjoy worshiping more than just a tradition that those who claim Christianity or religion do. May this be a tradition. We worship the true almighty God with a pure heart. Thank you for joining us on this Wednesday morning. We invite you tonight, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. The adults will meet in the auditorium. Teens in the gym will start there, end in the youth room. Kids start in the kids' wing and then end in the gymnasium. Uh, but the foul is still not feeling well, so I'm going to be filling him tonight. I'll be starting in the auditorium with the adults, and then I'll move to the teens at the end of the evening. So we enjoy, invite you to join us at 7 o'clock in the auditorium. We'll start with the message or the lesson and then finish with a time of prayer. We invite you to join us. If you can't make it online, we invite you to join us, or sorry, if you can't make it in person, we invite you to join us online at 7 o'clock. Thanks so much for taking this time to be with us. We hope it was an encouragement, hope it inspired you, and hope you have a great rest of the day. Look forward to seeing you next time.